Hey folks, Mike here. On this episode of Mountain and Marsh, I uh, talk with Ben Shuptrine over at Bear Level Media, and uh, we do some deep diving on some summer scouting tips and tactics uh, for whitetail deer. If you guys are interested in that, great podcast for you. Um, talk everything from trail camera use to uh, mock scrapes, food plots, things of that nature. I appreciate you guys listening. Hope you guys enjoy. This podcast is brought to you by Ward Business Group, Central Maryland's premier construction management and general contracting company. They are licensed and insured and provide a full range of services and products. Their services include, but are not limited to, lawn and landscape, excavation and land clearing, welding and custom fabrication, and snow removal. They also have products for sale, such as sand, stone, mulch, and firewood. Ward Business Group serves Central Maryland and the surrounding areas. Ward Business Group is an affiliate of Invisible Fence brand of Carroll County and Invisible Fence brand of Delmarva. Check them out on Facebook via their website, or you can contact Justin Ward with any inquiries at 410-984-4020. Hey everybody, I'm here with Ben Shuptrine of Bear Level and Drift Dog Outfitters. Ben, how are you doing today, man? I'm good, man. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, and I, I kind of reached out to you because of uh, your expertise in the outdoors, and I saw the quality of video and content you're putting out with Bear Level on YouTube and on Instagram, and uh, I, I kind of figured from the, the way you guys handle things, your summer food plots that you'd be a good one to talk to about uh, deer hunting and prepping and summer scouting and all that good stuff. So before we uh, get into all that, why don't you introduce yourself, uh, who you are, where you're from, and maybe talk about the company a little bit or both companies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, Bear Level uh, actually is pretty brand new, not brand well, not brand thinking new, but uh, we uh, we created it a year ago and then finally put it out to the public in January. Um, it was just kind of an idea. We wanted to, we all love to hunt and fish and we just wanted to film our videos for fun. And then for me coming from a graphic design and film standpoint, when I, I mean, I've been doing that for at least eight, 10 years now. Um, 
it just kind of made sense that we, you know, made actually cinematic, um, creative films you know, people, that people can enjoy as well. So uh, we got into that. Ever since then, it's completely just, um, we wouldn't just head down. I, I, I can't even tell you how many hours we put into uh, preparing for this fall uh, for our deer. And uh, actually, we, uh, this spring, or this past spring when we, when we started bear level, we were just right in the middle of turkey season. So we have been cranking stuff out. Um, even though we have five videos, we've been just, uh, kind of holding back and just waiting on the fall to start so that we can get into that. Yeah. I like that idea. It's, it's the same. We had the conversation earlier today when we were talking, it's the same reason that I kind of can't, you know, produce content and then I sit on it before I release the reason I I do it probably the same as you is you don't want to get caught with your your pants down exactly. when you're trying yeah. to put out content you get you got to kind of and that's something that a lot of people that I talk to don't realize is that it takes a lot of prep work not as much on my end doing a podcast but it takes a lot of prep work and all the editing and things people don't people don't realize how slow of a process it can be exactly like just just like you said I mean when something happens like uh, like when our first video, when we put out, you know, we killed, we did a double turkey and that was like, kind of like the kickoff of, of bear level. And, um, it was su- super important to us one, cause it happened so fast. It was on opening day. Uh, and then two, like, I just wanted to, I just wanted to scream and shout and just tell everybody that we, we did this, but I had to take a step back and say, okay, let's tell a story. You know, I feel like some people, they are some, I guess, videographers that get excited just like me and they just forget to just kind of step back and and uh you know telling a story is people people that engage it's just super important in the industry so yeah you need people to be anticipating so that they want to watch the next thing and it's something that that major major media profiles i'm learning all the time you know it's something that major media profiles like and, and i hate to bring it up but meat eater like as large as they are you don't want to oh, compare man. yourself I, I to them, but yeah, me too. And and it's one of those things where I, I listen to the podcast and I, and I know that they have teams that work on it. And so when I'm editing or I'm like putting together, like editing photographs or whatever, even though it's not that in depth, I'm like, man, I wish I could, I just wish I could do what they do, but they have teams of people. It's, you know, it's hard sometimes. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, and they've been working on that for a long time. And that's funny you say meteor. That's actually probably like one of my favorite shows. I've, every single time they come out on Netflix, I, I, I go straight to it. And I probably watch till like three o'clock in the morning. And I finish it all in a night. Um, yeah, just, yeah that's, that's a great example of storytelling and how important it is. I mean, all of this nature that we have around us and all the outdoors, that, I mean, it's a creation. And I mean, if you, if people see that every day and they see the details in it, I think that's just so important to, tell that story and you'll you know I, they you want to make people see it for themselves instead of just you know you making the video it's about people too yeah and that's something i struggle with too is i, I feel like especially on social media is that you just kind of give it away you just kind of show them the end result and nothing leading up to it when there's exactly. so much content in what was leading up to it right yeah <laughs> that is so true yeah, yeah yeah hours of content yeah so what about Drift Dog? Let everybody know what what that is, real quick. So that they yeah, yeah, understand. yeah. So Drift Dog actually, we started two years ago. My wife and I. Um, 
it actually, we just had just gotten married and I was out on a whim uh, after college was during COVID and actually wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was right, right during, right at the end of COVID. I was like, you know what? I had this dream of uh, creating an outdoor apparel company and I wanted it to be surrounded by anglers. So uh, Drift Dog came along. Um, the name came from a actually a boat that we got up in Pennsylvania. That's <laughs> kind of funny. Uh, we actually took a trip up to Pennsylvania, my dad and I, and we brought the Drift Boat back down. And we had a uh, German Shepherd, and his name is Captain. He actually passed away a week ago, which is pretty crazy because um, he was a super – iconic dog to our family and uh we just were thinking of names and my father-in-law was like why don't you just call it drift dog so we called it drift dog uh and the boat was kind of symbolic to the area um it was seen on the river um a, a lot and i just kept on getting comments about it so i was like you know what this could be a brand so um my graphic design mine went to work and uh, i collaborated with a few classmates from the university of tennessee and we came up with a logo, and that's kind of what set it off. And uh, longer down the line, that that uh, we started in July, and then in October we launched our first Kickstarter and raised around twenty thousand dollars to start the company, and which was a super uh, super goal, a big goal of mine because you know Kickstarters are hard and stressful, and um, it happened, and we ended up uh, just going on from there. But yeah, that's that's pretty much the fly fishing, fishing, uh, outdoor side of things. And then we've got our hunting, uh, bear level YouTube over here. So I'm pretty much toggling both back and forth. Yeah, that's really cool, man. Seems seems like you're, you're chasing a dream. That's, that's something that's, I'm that's on my way to. <laughs> so, but yeah, let's get into a, a little bit of scouting and things, things like that. Um, kind of went over everything with bear level. Um, so the the summer scouting, I noticed you guys have the video out of you know the food plot and and on your Instagram. If anybody goes to Bear Level on Instagram and uh, checks it out, you can see this these food plots you guys are putting together and kind of how you guys all work together to to put put these together. And uh, that seems really cool. But you know when when does this all start for you guys? Like. What time of year are you? Because I this is one thing that I've been talked to about before. I've had a lot of people mm-hmm. talk about, oh, well, it starts the day deer season ends. Well, you're right. But if you're a waterfowl hunter and a turkey hunter like I am, it's hard to put a lot of time and effort into deer. So yep. when, when yep. does it start for you? Yeah. So in Tennessee, that's, that's, that's exactly right. Um you know, during turkey season, I don't, we never even touched the food plot. Uh, we were more scouting for turkey and stuff like that. But yeah, it starts, um, you can start playing right at the beginning of May, which is perfect time for corn and tall grasses like that. Um, but to get a soybean, uh, a pea, or any legume like that, legume, uh, you would probably start at the end of May, beginning of June. Um, we were going to do soybeans this year, and we ended up doing something more durable, which is cow peas or iron clay peas. Um, and that's kind of our uh, crop that they're just munching on right now. They're about four feet tall right now, and we planted them, I think it was May 30th. Um, so, I mean, they're, they're doing really well. Um, yeah, just like, just like you said, I mean, yes, 
deer season. It starts right after deer season. But that really is kind of your time to go in the woods and see what they're doing at the end of the season. Whatever they're doing at the end of the season, like in January, like that's kind of our end of season, January 10th-ish. Um, they've already, uh, you know, they've already ended the rut a month and a half ago. Um, and they're looking for a place that they can bed down, uh, scratch on some things, shed their antlers, things like that. And that's kind of like your calculation to what they're going to do the next year. Um, late season. So that's, that's what, what, what we do. You're usually during turkey season. We're not turkey hunting. Uh, we're out there looking for, um, deer tracks, scrapes, everything like that. Yeah. That's a, uh, that's a good time definitely to get in because you don't ever feel bad when you, when you bump a deer that time of year because you know your neighbor's not going to exactly. shoot it when, when you bump it <laughs> off or, or whatever. I mean, it, it depends. It depends if, I know it's different between public land hunters, private land hunters. I actually do both. Uh, so for me, every every bit of scouting I do, it, it could be in any realm. It could be public yeah. or private. It could be ag land. It could be the mountains. I hunt in the Appalachian Mountains a lot. It could be the mountains. So you know, for me, just the same. That's a it's a perfect time to get in. Like I said, sometimes I neglect because I'm too busy worried about chasing ducks around and then chasing exactly. turkeys around. But I, I do, I'm the worst. Cause I will actually tell myself every weekend during Turkey season to set a tree stand. And then I won't do it until it's like 90 degrees out. I'm, I'm the worst. <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh. We're going through that right now. We, uh, it's funny you say that because you know, during, I mean, last year, right beginning, right beginning of scouting season for Turkey, we put out, we, we usually put out a bunch of trail cams to see, see where they, where the deer are going to go, um, during the, during the end of the season. And we ended up picking up our two biggest bucks. And that's the one that we, everyone keeps seeing on our trail cams right now. And that's the only reason, I mean, if we didn't have our trail cams out at the end of January, we probably wouldn't have found these bucks and where they're going to be. Um, but man, we have found their home. I mean, we were in it right now. Uh, and this is this time right now is pretty crucial for them. What time does does the uh, hunting season start where you're at? Are so you- it's kind of crazy. So we are actually one of the states in the United States that does velvet. Uh, so that's I believe August 27th through yeah August 27th through the 29th. That's a weekend, so you get a weekend of velvet. Um, some people are successful, some people aren't. Uh, I, I like the velvet. I think it's really cool. But at the same time, um, you can get a tiny bit more potential if you just wait till archery season, which happens in late September or mid-September. So, uh, it, but it's interesting too, because around here, I mean, everything, you know, you've heard that everything is brown is down, man. Like, I mean, you, <laughs> I mean, everyone likes to, everyone likes to hunt here. Um, and it is a competition. So, yeah, for people that are, you know, that are trying to kill target bugs like us, like velvet is good sometimes, but we like to, we like to wait till the opening day and, and see what they, uh, see how big they get. Yeah, I, I would have met like Pennsylvania's kind of like this too, where I would imagine in Tennessee, there's really nothing to do except for hunt. Like <laughs> yeah. I, I, in the grand scheme of things, there are things to do, but I mean, it's not like Tennessee's 
the Vols are any good at football or anything. There's, there's oh, nothing man, to look you, forward you to. Can't, you can't say that on this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> no, hey, no. We did get we did get whooped. We did get uh we got beat. Actually, it was actually the Pennsylvania game. Um, I was I've been there. Uh, I go I go to all the games and stuff like that. So yeah, I guess I guess other than hunting and fishing, I mean, uh, I guess you could go to Nashville and go down Broadway or something like that. <laughs> Hey, I've been to Nashville. There ain't anything that comes out of there but hangovers. I I drove home so hungover, it was like an eight, it was like an eight and a half hour trip. It we, was miserable. We got good. We've got good food though. Yeah, I mean we have got good, good Southern hospitality. Hey, how, how close are you to? I don't want to get off the rails too far. How close are you to Nashville? Nashville, uh, that's uh, two hours exactly from me. Um, I I actually was born in Chattanooga, uh, which is around 20 minutes and i live outside of chattanooga uh in the cleveland mcdonald tennessee area um so yeah i i was i married the farmer's daughter and i and i went out here on the farm so oh, okay i got you. yeah i uh i'll be in nashville ne- next summer that's what for a bachelor party that's what i was asking but, awesome uh yeah anyway let's let's get back to it but yeah maryland is one of those states as well that uh does I've I've been able to hunt velvet bucks my entire life in Maryland, but I I'm the type of person that I I not only don't necessarily shoot velvet bucks, um I'm it's always so hot and muggy and humid that I'm I'm like ah that's kind of miserable I don't really feel like plus we process our own deer so it's not like yeah. I can, I can like take my deer to the processor when it's 93 degrees out and say yeah. Here, have the deer. Hurry up, put it in your cooler box. Like, we have to butcher our own deer ourselves, so that's always kind of been a deterrent um, of mm-hmm. of early season. But yeah, so you brought up a little bit ago trail cameras and how you guys utilize them this spring to mm-hmm. really hone in on where two target bucks are at right now. So I want to go into the trail cams a little bit. Um, what brand or style or both do you gravitate to? Are, are you a cell cam person or what? Yeah. So uh, at the very beginning of kind of like our bow hunting, deer hunting career, like, well, I mean, I've been hunting for pretty my whole life, but really I, I got into bow hunting a lot, probably four or five years ago. And from that, from that time, I used, you know, I, I used this for the regular battery. You need to go in the woods, set it up. Uh, put some bait out for them in the off season and see what you can find. And I ended up getting, a, I mean, a lot of uh, deer pictures from there, but at the same time I was noticing the amount of time I was going in the woods and leaving my scent and sweat and, and uh, the, the scent that's on my shoes, the scent that's on my hands, things like that. Um, you could tell that the deer, I mean, the, but the bucks were coming, but you could actually almost tell that they were kind of weary why or why they should be in the, in that area. So, um, I spent some money, I saved up and I got cellular cameras. And I think like right now, like in, in my time, um, they're so important because I mean, people, people sometimes don't realize they are geniuses. Deer are geniuses. They figure out a way to make us mad. And, and, um, if you leave some, some sort of sense that they don't like, they will bump. If you go in there and move a stick that they have seen their whole life a different way, they're going to think that it's a predator. It's the weirdest. I've, I've, I've had some stories about, you know, just 
things that just go wrong when you have a target buck out and you just ruin it, blow it, right? So I sell your cameras. I'm running a uh, Spartan cell cam. Um, I've got at least five Spartan cell cameras, and then I've got 10 or so regular uh, wild game cameras that are just sitting there and I pick up every year. Um, all of them should be pretty much full by now. So in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to go pull them. Yeah, I do the same thing. I have We have wild game innovations, trail cams yeah. that we picked up from dicks over the years, things like that. And uh, like I just put two out last week that are just, they're literally going to be soakers. I'm going to, I'm going to check them at probably the beginning of September, mid August to the beginning of September, right before the season. If nothing looks promising, I'm, I'm going to just let them sit through the rut. I'm probably going to change the batteries, let them sit. It's just something that I always do with those. And then uh, cell cams, we started using those a couple of years ago and they've, they've been a pretty big deal for us. Um, the one issue we've had is I had actually bought spy points, which that's on me. Like I, me and my dad had gotten spy points. Now his camera has worked fine. Um, but my, I had two and one of my cameras acted up. I had a buddy that both of his acted up. Uh, (laughs) so he, he, he just switched to the reveals. Uh, I I think, I believe he did switch the reveals from tactic cam, but yeah, it's, the cell cam has really changed the game, especially these bigger companies that are quality companies like Spartan. Um, I, there's there's another there's a couple other ones now. I know like Browning's making one and things of that yeah. nature. So I, I know there, there's a lot of these out now, and they've really changed the game. And keeping your scent out of an area, uh, we've we have a lease property in Maryland that we hunt that last year we had gone in and out of this spot a few times and this buck that he had shredded some trees up and we knew he uh-huh. was in there. And this buck, I, he just walked right around the property in a thicket while I was in the stand and just was kept looking over toward me. And I'm like, man, my wind's right and everything. But it was like, he knew that I was in there. I, I don't know how he did, exactly. but he knew I was in there. You, you, you know, how there's a mature buck. They're slick, man. I, I mean, they, they just are what yeah. they are. So, yeah, the cell cams have been a, a big deal for us, though, too. They've helped out a lot, even in turkey season. Uh, Dad had yeah. left his out, and we knew it's funny, but we were going to go hunt these birds, and then we realized that there was a group of hens in front of my dad's trail cam with a jake at full strut courting them. And we were like, all right, if there's a jake in there right now, this weekend, we're not going to go hunt him. Because he's in there courting all these hens, and there's no toms in here, so we, you know, yeah. we back out. But that that's kind of like, and then we go hunt public land. But it's been a big help, definitely. The trail cam, the cell cams have been a big help for us. No, definitely. I mean, I'll be sitting at my desk and get, you know, I get a, I get a uh, notification on my phone, and I get to see them live of what they're doing. I mean, it's funny because the very beginning of the season, um, or not season, off season. You know, we had these pictures of these two target bucks. We're, we named them Marco and Polo. Um, people, people have seen this on our story. Um, but I've seen them every evening or almost every other evening uh, on this trail cam spot. And then, you know, closer to season, a week ago, they're there all day. I mean, they're, I mean, they don't move a muscle. And that's the one thing is 
I mean, if I didn't have the trail, the cellular cam, I, could, I wouldn't be able to know their patterns. I mean, I might go in there uh, opening day and they'd be in, in the woods at one o'clock in the, in the afternoon, man. I mean, th- that's the scary thing. It's like, you got to know exactly like what time they're going to, I mean, cause they're coming from places. I mean, they might, I mean, you might put a uh, trail cam in a bedding area, but if they're, I mean, if you put a trail cam out, they're, they're going or coming from places. So, um, it's super important to know like the, the actual data, like where they're going to be at, at all times. Well, speaking on that, what about location? Like when you say you have two trail cameras and you have one 200 acre farm yeah, and, and it's just a simple old farm. There's, there's three or four big ag fields, some hedgerows and a big patch of woods and a Creek bottom. Like where are, like, where's your mind go first? If you are on your phone on hunt stand or on X or one of them, and you're on your phone and you, you zoom in and you're like, all right, here's where I need to be. Where's that for you? Yeah. 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 So we all know that deer is all they, what they need. They need food, they need water and they need bed. Okay. So the first thing I do is that when I look at a map, I'll just, I'm just going to use my, the farm I live on, for example. Um, we have a huge valley. We've got crops in the middle, just like you would in a, at a farm. And then a creek that runs through the whole entire farm, as well as woods around it. And then we've got a whole ridge side, right? So if I only had two cameras, I would be looking for two, two areas of the farm. One, an area that they can get wa- around water and food at the same time while also having a bedding area. So I would look for those flat, rugged areas that they, um, one, like to go through as well as, you know, they're coming coming to and fro from water to food. I'll put one in a flat area there. And then two, elevation change. So, yeah, in Tennessee, just like you said about the Appalachians, uh, yeah, you hunt the Appalachians, they love elevation change. So, um the reason one, the reason why they like elevation change is they can uh, be in a cooler area. Um, usually, it's five degrees, five degrees, ten degrees cooler, depending on what type of ridge it is. And then two, they can stay up there, they can bed down, um, and then they can see everything beyond the valley. So, I think it's super important to put trail cams in also elevation uh, areas. So, if you put, if you only have two trail cameras, put one in an elevated area and then two maybe by a creek bottom or a valley um between you know crops or anything like that yeah up up in the mountains especially i'm i'm a sucker for saddles if i'm gonna put a a trail cam up if there's any sort of bench or saddle i'm going there first to set up for sure Mm -hmm. yeah so so you're you're like if you're on ag land then like are you are you ever going over a food source like the corner of a bean field or something like that? Oh yeah. So right. Well, for this farm, this farm is mostly. Well, I'm just going to say this farm, but this farm is mostly a, a hay and grass, and they love the. They're more of eating. They're acorn eaters, but if you give them a crop, they're going to go nuts. I mean, because they. I mean, yes, we are around farms, but the most most of the crops are actually corn here. Um. They, there are people that plant soybeans and stuff like that, but man, if you if you give them a bee, a bean or a pea or anything like that, they will go nuts. Um, so yeah, I I set up trail cameras actually in the uh, pea fields as well as the corn fields. Um, 
and that's usually um, the beginning of the season to uh, middle of the season because they don't even eat the corn really until the rut. And when the rut comes around, you cannot find them anywhere but the corn. So there is so the the farm that I lease on. Me and my father, my brother, scratch our heads trying to find deer. Every year the farmer plants corn because there are deer there, but I might be set up on a tree stand on one side and see zero deer and somebody be sitting in the hedgerow in the middle of the property and see 30 deer running like five different, six, seven different bucks chasing does. And then somebody be on the other side and see two does feeding that day. Like standing corn, is the devil and it, but <laughs> it's it's the greatest thing in the world it's it's like a double-edged sword it i love standing corn because of the cover especially in the rut like there's there's i think there's nothing better than sorghum or corn in the rut with deer bedding inside of it and you could be set up on a field edge and just hear crashing and just see antlers like that's one of my favorite things <laughs> But it's, it I, also I sucks sometimes, you know. Yeah. And uh, that's crazy. So, uh, the last year, we actually, um, Eli, so we actually have three partners in Bear Level. We have Eli, Seth, and Reed. They're all brothers. They're all uh, they're all slingers. My wife, wife is an slinger. And um, we, uh, we that's, that's how we created the channel. We just got together and did it. But, yeah, we were actually one of our hunts last year during the rut. And, Man, I'm I I think every deer in the woods was was on this piece of corn, and um, every buck was. And we saw, I mean, we saw all our target bucks that day come through. I mean, you could see. I mean, their antlers were just hitting the corn rows and like plowing it down like that. They were <laughs> they were running so fast they weren't even recognizing what they were running through. So yeah, nothing like nothing like seeing antlers push down some corn stalks. Do you when when you are setting trail cams is well I want to preface this is Tennessee a bait state or a mineral site state? Yeah, so that, that's actually huge. I, I didn't even go into that. Um, so yeah, the very beginning of the season, I'd say around the time we actually plant crops would be like May. Um, that's when you're going to see like a little bit of growth on the velvet. Um, we go around uh, to all our sites. Uh, our past sites and our and our idea sites. So that's where we kind of like walk the property, see what they're doing, uh, and we put down a uh, just a ton of mineral. And that I think that is probably the most important thing in Tennessee is giving them a lot of mineral uh, early season. Not only just because of a growth, but it, it they remember they remember the spot where they get they get uh, their salt. I mean, they have to have that to live. And, uh, you know, when, when you give them that, give them that salt in the off season, they're going to come, uh, during the, during the actual archery season and remember that they can go get that, uh, at that same exact spot. You are not allowed to hunt over bait in Tennessee. Um, but we put corn there just so they can find the salt. Yes, they could probably sniff it out, but it'd be, it's a lot easier when you put corn or some sort of bait. Um, near it in the off season so they can actually find the mineral um, and once they do it it's just like block work for them yeah i i used to do a lot more mineral like 
uh, trophy rocks and things of that nature than I do now. Maryland itself is a bait state, but Pennsylvania is not. And so like up here, I ha- my tactics have to be like where I'm living now in Gettysburg. My tactics have to be a lot different than they would like summer scouting rather. Uh, it, it's a lot more location than it is and like existing food than it is me making a mineral site putting out now in the summertime you can I, th- I think to a certain extent you can put things out but like when it, the season's like I think it's within two weeks everything has to actually quote unquote be eaten so yeah it's not like close to the season I can be like all right what's here you kind of got to let it go. And then if you let it go like a month prior, the deer that were so reliant on the site that you were baiting up anyway in the summertime, they're gone anyway. They're, you know, they're, yeah. they change route. So, but in Maryland, it, it's a, especially on the Eastern shore of Maryland, it's a huge deal because it's so thick to use bait. And a lot of people hunt over like directly over bait and I didn't know if in Tennessee or like around you guys, that was a big thing. Uh, you know, people do that. Um, and uh, the nearest state that they do that, I think is, well, I guess Kentucky does it. Georgia does it. It's, I don't know. Or Alabama does it. You have to have a permit for that. Um, but Doesn't Kansas not. do it too? Kansas, yeah. You're allowed to yeah, hunt every Kansas morning. Kansas does well, it. Yeah, yeah. Ohio, stuff like that. But um yeah, here it's it's not a thing, um, and I, I, I don't care. I mean, if it's in my opinion, I don't really care if it, if it's legal in your state. Yeah, you can do it. I don't I don't do it um, just because one. I think it gives you some sort of a disadvantage sometimes. I mean, you act, just back to that sense point. Yes, they come to the bait every time, but there's sometimes where you can ruin your whole hunt, and plus. If you if you put out bait in a different spot, you're also changing their pattern. It's just kind of like when people say, "Hey, don't feed the don't feed the don't feed the bird," uh, because you know they can't. They'll always come back to that one spot for food, and when you're not there, they can't survive. Same thing. So that's my opinion on that. I have a theory, and this is because I grew up hunting in a state where baiting was legal, and we used to do it. I have a theory that if you're in a tree stand with a bow over top of a corn pile, your chances of shooting a mature buck are already very slim. Even if you put in the time and effort to find them, it's not easy. You have to be on the offensive to kill them and you have to pick and choose your times. And I have a theory because I've literally watched it happen. (laughs) There could be 30 does in the early rut over a corn pile and a big buck stayed distant. Like I watch him out of my binos and him never come in because he knows something's up. Like he knows that corn pile isn't natural almost. And so that's, that's just my theory is I don't do it anymore either because I am an opportunist hunter now. Yeah. I, I have decided that I need to be a tactical hunter more than I need to be a hundred pounds a week hunter. So, yeah, exactly. And that comes with just like just getting out there and just knowing exactly where they're, I mean, there, 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 there are tons of times where, you know, you're, you're out there and you, you, 
you put out trail cameras and you put out corn and you do all this work. And then when the rut comes, they're gone, man. I mean, they could come, they could go to mile, um, miles away and then come back late, late season and you did all that work for nothing. So that's the other thing is <laughs> I get, I get way too excited in the off season. Like right now I'm super pumped up because I think I've got these two target bucks, but as soon as they get a whiff of uh, a doe somewhere else, they're gone, man. Yeah, it was it was a while ago. It was probably about seven, eight years ago. But right before bow season, I had a drop time 13 point coming to a trophy rock every day at 9 a.m. with a bachelor group of bucks. And when I was so pumped up when this it was every day religiously. And that was that was like before cell cams got big. I was going to check this camera every week, once a week, and that buck still wouldn't leave. And I thought, yeah. I was like, I got, he was, it was 15 yards in front of one of, my, one of my tree stands. I was like, I got him locked up. I get in there opening, I took off work opening day. I get in there opening day, it's like September 15th. He's still in full velvet. I get in here, I'm going to shoot this guy, and he ne- he never shows, but like two of the bucks out of the five or six show and i'm like that's funny like where's the rest they're here literally every day at 9 a.m second day that i think it started on like a friday thursday or friday second day i i'm there in the morning 5 a.m sit 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 he never shows again none of the bucks show this time I'm like what's going on like i had him locked up so it's just one of those things it's like you can think that you have a buck figured out that's over the age of three and a half. And every time he'll try to, he'll dodge you. I I don't know how they do it, but they do it. It's just their thing. I don't know how they do it. That's crazy. Yeah. Cause, um, last year and it, I've had one of my traumatic moments. <laughs> I actually was hunting. I think it was opening, actually opening day. I saw this, I mean, my target buck, uh, we called him Broadband. Um, and he's, it was either Broadband or another one we call Crab Claw. And it was, you know, obviously he had Crab Claws in front. Um, but he came through, barging through the woods, um, and was pissed at these does that were eating this clover. And he came, that's another thing, we plant clover. And he came through, and dude, he was at 13 yards, um, quartered two. So it was pretty a tough shot. And, I mean, by, by tough, <laughs> it was so close that I was, I couldn't even focus. And I shot him high and dude, he lived. It was the craziest thing. Uh, but it's one of those things like staying focused. Just like you're like the amount of time put into this and then they don't show up. And when they do and you can't focus, like that's, it's traumatizing. So this year I'm trying to take a step back and just calm down before it happens. Do you guys ever use tactics like mock scrapes, watering holes, licking branches, uh, thing, things of that nature? Do you guys do that? Yeah. So we, uh, I know we did, or for for a while we did mock scrapes. That that worked uh, a pretty pretty good amount of time. And then this year, actually, it's in one of our videos, we tried uh, a different form. We did the the hanging vine, you know, over the over the scrapes. Um, or a licking branch, 
That's and, the that's the sick of, that's the sick of gear of uh, of tactics now. That's <laughs> the last two yeah, years. That, that's become the big thing. It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, we just tried it, and I mean, if you can find a nice like grapevine branch that has a little bit of a uh, you know like a, like a a way for them to rub their antlers on or lick or anything like that, it becomes kind of like a totem pole almost. Like, um. Now I do only have one trail camera on one of those, but like I kind of I kind of put it in a, in a place that it's kind of on the way to the trail camera, just because one, if you touch that thing, they're never going to come to it. Um, but uh, if you kind of put it in a way where they they're using it, but um, but it's on the way to somewhere like in their path where they have to touch it, you know, like they're almost like kind of funneled towards it. That's kind of our, our goal. Yeah, that's that's one of the that's one of those things that they almost need to see it, and they're like, "All right, I'll, I'll mess with this thing now." But yeah, right, I, I get you. It's it's not really like a watering hole or a mineral site. They're not gonna go. They're not gonna change their pattern to hit a hanging hanging branch. Exactly, and yeah, and the that's the big thing too. Is like I I want to do a water hole this year, but at the same time, they've got a full creek to drink out of. So it's kind of like. Do I want to, I mean, they could use it, but like, are they just going to go down the creek and get a drink? I mean, you know, like, <laughs> like it's a, it's a big creek too. It's like, I mean, it's like 20 feet wide. So yeah, sometimes common sense can be your best friend. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it, it, it's like, yeah, I, obviously I could go through all this work in the heat and the sweltering summer, but yeah, there's a creek right there. <laughs> Yeah, and they're and it's natural, so I mean, might as well just let them have it. Do you guys do a lot of sitting out and uh, and glassing and stuff in the summertime? Yeah, so um, well, mostly towards the end of the season, we do that. One, obviously, we go back to the scent thing. I just don't want to be out there until they're, you know, it's a week before. Um, but here, yeah, the the main fields in the center where we where we usually hunt. Um, they actually don't tend to go to the middle of the farm. They stay on the edges, obviously, because we are here and they are not. Um, and they stay away. So the edges are the biggest thing. Um, we do have a couple of fields where we sit on the top of the hills and we just kind of like look if see if they, you know, come to the, uh, come to the, the peas, the, or we call them the iron clay peas. And, uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. It, it gets you really pumped up to see. Um, something that you've seen on camera, but never in person. Um, and it, it's kind of, it almost kind of like gets you um, feeling a type of way about your target buck that you, you know, you've had on trail camera and you've, you know, put your heart and soul into like, you're almost like you're meeting your, <laughs> you're meeting your uh, victim almost. In terms of like feelings you get in the outdoors, I think glassing, like like w- when you're glassing a bean field or something, and a buck of shooter status raises its head, that's like a top ten feel. It's like one of those. Oh, oh, there. Absolutely. That's what he looks like. Like, oh, there he is. And look, look at it. He's feeding. He's all. He's all lackadaisical because it's summertime and nobody's been shooting at him. It's, it's like, yeah. It's really cool to see that. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's crazy to see. Like you'll be you'll see a deer like just like you said and you're like oh it might be a doe and then he picks his head up and you're like nope 
Well, you you guys said you had uh, had some stands and stuff to set during the summertime. Do you guys do you guys during hunting season think? All right, we should set. We should do something here, and then in the summertime, you make a move on. Is that what you're doing? Like this that time is, of year? That is, yes, you're spitting the language. So during turkey, that's, that's exactly what we do. So during turkey season, when we're just running around, you know, calling turkeys and stuff like that, we'll look. We'll look at the uh, structure because obviously you're going from winter to spring to summer, and obviously in the winter you don't, you know, you don't see leaves. So, I mean, the leaves are already on the ground, so you can't really tell um, what's going to be good for early season because you know, you're going to be shooting through green, green stuff. So, uh, what we do is we walk, you know, when we're hunting turkey hunting, we, we see like these little open areas, and we also see a lot of deer tracks during the spring se- or turkey season, and we kind of plan ahead. So, this year, you know, one of the spots that one of our target bucks are at, and it's actually his name is Zip, and he is a uh, eight bit, really big eight point, and he is actually covered. I can't really remember what the scientific name was, but he pretty much has a like tumors all around his body, and we're trying to take him out. Are uh, are they are time. they black? Yeah, that that's my my dad shot one that had it was a big eight two years ago. He shot one with his entire neck was covered with him. I almost shot him in bow season. He wouldn't come out behind a tree in the rut yeah. and um, my dad shot him like a two weeks later in rifle and uh there was nothing actually wrong with him because we do our own butchering when we when we cut him open like everything was fine um he, yeah, yeah. he, he mean, just kind of had it a growth <laughs> yeah it's just like a skin thing it, it is really gross but um his his stuff is i mean his i guess his tumor stuff is on uh his back in his neck area so i mean we could I mean, he's potentially, I mean, we could mount him with like a little scab, I guess, because he only has one on his neck. Um, but uh, he, he's he been around for four years, and it's crazy. Like when I talk about these bucks moving at the last second during rut and going miles away, he, man, he has stayed put his whole life um, in this one patch of wood. Like he, <laughs> I mean, obviously he moves around, but. I've never not seen him. I mean, I, he's only in these patch of woods, and I don't know if he's comfortable, or I I don't I don't get it. But I don't know if he's like he's like maybe I'm just too ugly for these does or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, he's trying to hide his face a little bit. So, yeah, man. But he he's a great deer. Do Do you guys um you guys do any public land hunting at all? Yeah. So um, right now, mostly is um. You know, in Tennessee, like I said before, it's super competitive. It, obviously, in Pennsylvania, it's super competitive. Um, but right, I mean, our nearest um, public land from here is probably like thirty minutes away. Um, yes, there is really good public land in Tennessee, but at the same time, if you're a big guy on, you know, you're trying to get a really good buck, or if you're trying to um, score big. It's really hard here, um, but not saying that. I mean, you can go in for does or and, you know for short uh, antler deer, uh, but yes, there are some there are some rare giants in these in the woods uh, as as there is for every state. Um, but we're going to be uh, probably hitting public a couple times here in the season, um, 
we we really are just kind of blessed to actually have a lot of spots here in our state too. Um, I uh, I've got a spot in Ohio, uh, and then the boys uh, they have a lease out in Kansas, so that's huge. I actually haven't scored to get on that yet, but uh, I will definitely go film them. Yeah, Kansas. That's a that's a well known big buck state there along with Ohio. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, their dad, he's a huge hunter, and he, uh, I mean, he's always been a, been a, a great uh, hunter as well as, you know, a, an avid outdoorsman. So uh, it's really cool to see them grow up in a in a household where, you know, he, if you if you go into his house, you he could tell you every single buck he's killed, every single scenario, um, and 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 his big bucks. I think his biggest is probably like a one eighty, one ninety type of buck which is huge, but, uh, you know, those are the corn fed Kansas bucks. Yeah. There's some of those around here. They are obviously anywhere they are. They're very few and far between, um, the, the Eastern shore here in Maryland. There's definitely some, some, I mean, they're everywhere, but the Eastern shore of Maryland, they're, they're it's just like Kansas. It's flat. Uh, it's there's thickets and the bucks just grow for days. If they can get to seven years old, you you can get 180 inch plus deer, but yeah, it was uh it was great talking to you about the the summer scouting. You got anything else you want to touch on? No, man, I'm, I, that's good. I mean, we can. I, I'm just super excited to even uh, meet you and and talk about this and just kind of follow up. I, I think that's going to be cool to for us to uh, just kind of keep up with each other, you know, throughout the season. And uh, hopefully we can get our uh, our just eleven points that's been on camera. And- All right, man. Well, it was great talking to you about summer scouting, and uh, it was great talking to you about bear level and getting to learn so much about this. I subscribed to it when you guys were first getting going. I subscribed to it because I thought the quality was great, and I I think that's what makes a great business model. I think quality first is what makes a great product. And so I, I, when I saw how good you guys were doing in the quality department, it made me think that at least you guys were putting a little bit of effort into this thing. So uh, I appreciate it. I appreciate the videos you guys put out. I appreciate you being on the podcast. I'm sure everybody else will. Um, and uh, it was great talking to you, man. Yeah, thank you so much, Mike. Uh, we'll, we'll keep up, buddy. Yeah, man, for sure. I, I'll get a hold of you uh, here after a while. And uh We'll talk later. All right. Sounds good. All right. I'll see you.